his, um, I, I knew him as a young man when I was a boy in high school. And later on, um, I just known he was a missionary in Panama for a long time. Uh, first person to ever translate the Bible into the dialect of these Indians in the back country of Panama. And then he became the, the president of Life Bible College. Actually, Carl's wife, Kanani, worked for him while they were in school. And so we've known each other for a long time. He's long since retired. And, but he, he attends a, a, a big church in the Pacific Northwest. And uh, we have some really big churches in the Northwest in our denomination. We have several churches of like 15,000 people. And, and um, I used to get so frustrated with these guys because we're out here planting churches and trying. And, and in, the, in the long run, you know, you can have 15,000 people. But if we started 700 churches and there's 100 people going to each one of them, uh, uh, we touched a lot more people than you did. And so I used to just kind of wang on some of these guys, you know. And I, I, and, and so I, I, about seven or eight years ago, I got a bunch of these guys all revved up, and they went out and they started planting churches. And this guy, his name is Dick, and he, and he said, why is it that 80% of our churches uh, don't, don't succeed? They, they close within two years. And he's assuming that 80% of ours close in two years. Well, that isn't true. Uh, it's less than 5% closure rate in ours over over all these years. And uh, we got to talking. And when, when what, what I really finally discovered, and it's interesting because one of those great big churches in the Northwest is in Spokane, Washington. They started eight churches in one year, and, and none of them failed. They all succeeded. They're doing really well. And, and, the, and the mother church has grown as a result. Uh, and, and, but you know what the difference was? It's one thing when you've been a mini church pastor and you've been hanging out with these people for all this time and then you start another mini church, you start another mini church, you go out to start a church and all your friends go with you. There's, there's love, there's relationship. It's another thing when you stand up and go, here's Dennis, he's going to go start a church. We need 80 people to go with him and we're going to give him a bunch of money. And, and so 80 total strangers go out with him and start a church. But w- what's missing in, in that? Love. It's not that there's hatred or there's bitterness or there's anything. It's just that there ain't any love because the people don't know each other and are not in relationship. And so I look back, and that was a hard night for me. I had two bad days in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, one when a guy asked me to pray for him, and the other one I go away thinking, man, I beat up all of these pastors a, a number of years ago, and they all went out and did it. And, and I've talked to several of them. They've all, they've all gone, it doesn't work for us. We've tried to start churches, and we failed. And now here's a guy, and when we get to talking, he actually tells me why. And I think, oh my gosh, Jesus never said to start churches. He said to make disciples. And if you make disciples, well, you've you got to organize them, and those are called churches. So you end up starting churches because you made disciples. Am I making sense when I say that? But you got to make, there's got to be this, this loving. This is why mini church is so important. We get together, we eat together, we talk, we hang out, we pray for each other, we love on each other. And so we go from there. Well, he goes on in chapter 11 where we've been reading and and he gets into communion and we're going to take communion in a few minutes. He says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it in pieces and he said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Now, there's three 
other passages of scripture that say that Jesus' body was broken. I mean, he was beaten and all that. And they actually, it actually comes out and says, by his stripes, by the beating, we are healed. In other words, somehow, the part of, of the curse of sin that causes illness gets rolled back to some degree or another when we pray. Because Jesus suffered in his body, it made it possible for God to answer our prayers in that particular area of, of healing. He says, this is my body which was given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed by my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. Now, I don't want to get into it, and I'm probably not even smart enough to get into it real technically, but they're having a Passover meal, ancient Jewish Passover. And in the, in the Passover meal... Um, there was a, a, a part of the of the rite they'd eat they'd eat a meal together they'd share a meal, but then there would be uh, what today we would call matzah, or, or like cracker without salt without yeast, and there there would be in a kind of wrapped up in a little piece of cloth three pieces of unleavened bread, and you would pull the middle one out, and then you would break it and you would share it. And it would be a reminder of that first Passover back in Egypt when, when, the, when they slew the lamb and whatever. And then they would take some wine and they'd drink it and it would be a reminder of when they put the, the blood of the lamb over the doorposts and all that. And, and so as Jesus is taking this cracker, it's interesting that it would be the middle cracker. And you start to think of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But, he, but, but as he breaks it, what, what he's really saying is I'm the fulfillment of the ancient thing of Passover and, uh, and, and and as you do this do this in remembrance of me that that because of me you can have a restored relationship with God because of the sacrifice that he made on the cross uh, we can come into uh, a, a fullness with the Lord and have the Holy Spirit in our life and, and, and leadership from the Lord in our lives and so it says in verse 26 every time you eat this bread and drink this cup you're announcing the Lord's death. You're reminding yourself of it until he comes again. So, verse 27, anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourselves. That is why many of you are weak and sick, and some have even died. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. He says God's judgment comes upon you if you take communion, but, but you do it while you're dishonoring the body of Christ. Well, you, you only got to go to chapter 12. We're in chapter 11. In chapter 12, he makes a big deal about what is the body of Christ. It's the church. It's the people sitting next to you. It's the people sitting across the aisle. And so this represents the body of Christ, the bread, the blood. So if you partake of it at the same time that you're dishonoring the body of Christ, your brothers and sisters, you're being mean to them, or you're holding bitterness or a grudge or whatever, well, then he says you're, you're actually drinking, 
eating and drinking judgment upon yourself, God's judgment, because of your stink attitude toward the people around you, uh, that you need to honor the Lord by honoring the family. And as you do that, the Lord will honor you. If you take communion while judging the people around you, then God's judgment falls upon you. See, when you put this whole thing in context, it becomes far, far more meaningful. We always lift out these like three or four verses about this is, you know, remembering the Lord's death until he comes and whatever. But when you read all of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 together, his whole reason for pre- presenting these scriptures about communion is that he's trying to get people to do what Jesus said. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Be in relationship with each other and, 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 and good things will happen. And verse 33, So, dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. If you're really hungry, eat at home so you won't bring judgment. See, again, in their, in their context, they didn't just do crackers and juice. They had a feast, and then they did the crackers and juice. And so he says, if you're really hungry, eat at home first so that you, you, know, you, you, got, you can share what you got with somebody else and go from there. And don't bring judgment on yourselves. And then he says, I'll, I'll bring you instructions about other matters when I get around to, to come to see you. But uh, having looked at that scripture, we're going to take communion tonight. And we're just going to remember what this is all about, is that uh, the Bible teaches us that the, the answer to why is everything not good in the world comes down to this one thing, sin. Sin. You know, you, you, you can look at, 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 at every different philosophy there is. You can look at every... Uh, religion there is, and you 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 can't ultimately make sense. I, I, I and I've I've read a lot. I, I I like to read. I've read a lot. I know a lot of history, and I know a lot of philosophy, and I know that you it, it, you're going to end up hopeless if you don't recognize sin, because the world is a screwed up place. Would you agree? And it's getting scarier every day. You know, I, 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 I've been finding out some things about some of the stuff that the U.S. military is doing. And uh, somebody, I won't say that. I won't go there. I've, I've been finding out some things that the U.S. military is doing. And, um, uh, you know, we know about Afghanistan and Iraq. But there's stuff going on around the world all the time. That, that, that uh, things like SEAL Team 6... Uh, these these people don't just sit around on a rock waiting for something to do. They got something to do all the time, and something's being done all the time. The world is a pretty messed up place. And if you just have to try to make sense out of, well, it's because of culture, it's because of this, it's because of that, it's because, you're going to end up in despair. You're going to end up going, well, there, there is no answer, there is no hope. But if you understand that God made man in his image, not meaning that I look like God, but meaning that we that that like God, I am capable of of reason. That like God, I am capable of choice. Uh, you know that that I have these these elements of personality like God has, and that I was designed to be in fellowship with God. And yet that that like Isaiah chapter fifty three says, all of us like sheep have gone astray. We've turned each one to his own way. But the Lord laid on him the sin of us all. That's what communion is all about. Is that we sinned. We broke fellowship with God. 
And then when we, when we broke fellowship with God, we started breaking fellowship with each other. And people started getting clannish and hateful and spiteful and, and tribal warfare breaks out and this and that and the other thing. And, and sin is the cause of it all. But God sent his son, the Bible tells us, into the world to die on a cross to somehow cancel my guilt and your guilt so that God could forgive me and embrace me in spite of me. In spite of me reaching my wallet and handing some poor guy some money and just wanting to blow him off. Mr. Pastor, who's always telling everybody to love people. In spite of that, God can wrap his arms around me and love me, forgive me. And that we can have eternal life and that, and that our lives can come together. And God's in the healing business. And you know, you know I travel so much. And uh, everything that I do... I, 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 I key off of Jesus. See, there's really three great commandments. We always talk about the two great commandments. Jesus said, was asked, what's the most important commandment? He said, love your neighbor as yourself. And then very quickly he added, excuse me, he said, love the Lord with all your heart. You can tell I'm tired. I, I didn't get in until 1030 last night. Love the Lord with all your heart. Then he quickly says, love your neighbor as yourself. But over later on, He says, after the resurrection, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, I tell you, go out and make disciples of all the nations. And you've got to figure out what in the heck did he mean when he said make disciples of all the nations. You know, I I remember back in the 1980s, there were people who were going around saying, if we make a few disciples in every country, the Lord will come back. Well, I don't think that's what he was talking about. I, I think he was saying, make disciples of all the nations. You know, Europe at the height of Christendom, when Europe was, you know, the values of Europe were Christian values, really was only about 35% of the people were active, on fire, living it Christians. But they, but, but they, their values were such, uh, and, the, and, 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 and there was enough love amongst them that they were affecting their neighbors. Uh, I, I'm reading a, a guy um, who's a sociologist at uh, Pittsburgh University. And he, he says that by the year 2050, uh, the whole world will, will be more Christian than Europe was at the height of, 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 of Christendom. And he's afraid that that's going to cause World War III because he's afraid that it's going to be such a threat to Islam that they start shooting at each other. And I don't agree with that, but that's what he thinks. But the answer to people hating each other is people loving each other. And the cross of Jesus Christ is the thing that brings love into in, in, to hate-filled hearts. Uh, you know, I, I was reading this week, uh, I read two different things. I don't know why. He, he isn't up for parole, um, but two of his followers are up for parole. Remember Charlie Manson? Uh, Charlie Manson will be up for parole again in three years, and he'll never get out of jail. But... Uh, uh, they, they say he's still capable of pulling together a cult. He's got that much demonic magnetism. But the, the, the guy that was his, head, his, his chief henchman, his name was Tex Watson. And uh, uh, I, I, I was living in Los Angeles when all this was, was going on. I was in Palm Springs the day that Sharon Tate was murdered, and it was all over the news. The, the LaBianca family in, lived right near where we had lived. And... Uh, this guy, Tex Watson, killed these people. Uh, Tex Watson uh, will never see 
the outdoors again in his life, he's going to be in prison for the rest of his life. He's up for parole, but it ain't going to happen. But he's found Jesus Christ in prison, and he has become an ordained minister in prison, and he's leading other people uh, who are hor- have horrible lifestyle into a relationship of love. Like love is the answer. Sin is the problem. Am I making sense? And so tonight we're going to share communion. We're going to remember what the Lord did for us. But as we do it, what, one of the things that we always talk about is if there's something going wrong inside of your head towards somebody else, make it right. If they're sitting in the room, go to them and go say, you know what, I, I forgive you for this, or will you forgive me for this? If they're not sitting in the room, pray and tell the Lord that you forgive them or ask forgiveness for what you've done to them. Get it right, and then take communion. Because he says if you don't, you're, you're, you're judging somebody else. You're drinking and eating judgment on yourself. So we need to be real serious about this. Is this good? Every so often... Uh, we end up trying to teach through this whole chapter instead of just doing skimpy communion. And uh, it kind of brings us back to ground zero. We've we got to have our heart right with each other as well. If we want to have our heart right with the Lord, uh, it really counts for something. So um, we're going to have communion. I want the worship team to come up. I, I'm going to pray. And while I'm praying, you guys come up and and uh, play some music. And, and then... I've talked for a real long time tonight. That's the danger of me going overseas. I come home and get wound up. Um, but I want you all to stand, if you would. And then we have two tables here in the front and two tables in the back. And I would encourage you to go with somebody that you know. And if you see somebody by themselves, grab them into your little circle. Don't let anybody be alone. There's some people that came to church alone tonight. And uh, and then just... just you, Grab the communion stuff and get away from the table so other people can get to the table. And you can go to the back of the room, wherever you want to go. And then just pray together and, and share communion and then come back together and, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll wind it up at the very end. Glenn's going to come up and close us out. Is this good? Let's pray. Lord, we come to you tonight and we thank you for the fact that there is an antidote to sin. Lord, we understand sin to be people separating themselves from you. And all the bad stuff that happens, happens as a result of that. And we understand that Jesus went to the cross to to restore somehow that relationship and to destroy sin in our lives and make it possible for us to come into fellowship with you and as a result of that, to come into fellowship with one another and with the people out there in the world around us, the broken people. Lord, we pray that we as a people would see the image of God in the people around us, even the people who do who mistreat us or the people who are living a perverted lifestyle, that we would look and we would see this person was born in the image of God and there's hope for them. And I'm part of the answer to their problem. If I'll bring love into their life, I'll bring your grace into their life, good things are going to happen. Lord, as we share communion tonight, bring your love and your grace more fully alive in us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Go for it. He lost your husband. He went the other way.
You alone are my 
Thank you all. Thank you for just being you. It's so fun to be your pastor. I love it. We're going to close, but as we do, um, you can come back and take a seat if you want to. Or you can stay standing if you want to. But I just want to um, make opportunity for... There's nearly always someone who's come to church because they want to get things right between them and God. And I want to make an opportunity to pray a prayer to do that. And so if that's you, I'd like for everybody just to close your eyes. Um, And if you would just like to pray along with me, I'm going to pray out loud. I would invite you to pray silently the words that I pray. And if you would like to just pray and and, and you go, "I, I am a sinner. I wouldn't have said that before, but I realize that I'm separate from God and I need to be hooked up. And I want to get there. Uh, and so that's what this prayer is all about. It's the only way that you can hook up is by praying. And so that you would just be going, God, I, I, I want you and I want what you got. And and so we'll pray that kind of a prayer. But I want to know that I'm, I'm not just up here, you know, fanning the air with my lips. That we're actually praying. And so if there's if you want to pray with me. I want you to tell me that we're going to pray together. I'm going to count to three. And when I do, I want you to just slip your hand up until I see it. Uh, people all around, you got their eyes closed, but I'm looking. And so if you want to pray, one, two, three. You see one guy with his hand up? Cool. Anybody else? Let's pray. God, I know I need you. That's why I came hiking up this hill tonight. And I'm asking that you'd come into my life in very, very strong way. And you'd become the, the center point to my whole life, my whole existence. God, that you would um, really show yourself to me in some in some very, very strong ways so that I know that you're running this show. And that, that whatever your plans and your purpose for my life and my being on this planet are, uh, would begin to show up. And that I would live a life that's much more fulfilling than the one I've lived up to this point. And that your goodness and your grace would be there. God, forgive me for everything I've ever done wrong. And begin to just change my act. Help me to get things to be the way they ought to be in my life. I surrender to you tonight. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Glenn, you want to come up and close us out? Where is he? Sure. Over here. There you go. Alrighty, let's give a hand for that one person who accepted the Lord this evening. And uh, welcome back, Pastor Ralph, Pastor Ruby. It's good to see your faces here every Saturday night again. So <clears throat> yeah. 
Um, the person accepted the Lord along with anybody visiting us this evening, we got a gift for both of you guys. The person accepted the Lord, we got a Bible and a journal for you out in the welcome lounge. Go out there after service. If you're here, you want something weighing on your heart and you want prayer for, we got a prayer team out back over here. By all means, see them before you leave. And um, basically, that's it. You guys go forward and uh, spread the love and the joy that we learned about this evening and uh, bring it out to the community. Let's rise and praise the King one more time. <laughs>